Welcome to another great episode of the Cross Border Interviews with Chris Brown. Okay, um, so I'm going to jump into my introduction. Uh, I will be talking as this is a Wednesday, and that is because it's going to be airing on a Wednesday. We're not sure what Wednesday yet, but mm -hmm. just in order, so that way when you're saying, okay, why are you talking about Wednesday? That's why! <laughs> it's pretty close. <laughs> okay, it, well, it's, oh, yeah, I guess tomorrow's Wednesday. Oh, sorry, uh, radiation took a bit out of me this morning, and yeah. <laughs> I'm just slowly coming down from it, so. Okay. Good Wednesday morning on the Cross Border Interview Podcast. My name is Christopher Brown, your host. Is that bothering you? Do you want me to turn it off? I'm just wondering if the mic picks it up. Oh, uh, just hit the button behind you then. It's on the top. Okay, let's do that. Okay, let's try this again. Good Wednesday morning on the Cross Border Interview Podcast. My name is Christopher Brown, your host, and this is day three of Transgendered Week here on the Cross Border Interview Podcast. And I am pleased and honored to have Cece Chow, entrepreneur, activist, photographer, filmmaker, all around amazing human being on the show to talk about transgendered issues here in the province of Alberta, but also her story. Cece, thank you so much for doing this. It's an honor and a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, I started every episode off this week with the exact same question. Um, who is Cece? That, that's a pretty interesting question. Um, I think over the, the last three years, I have also, more than three years, but maybe four years, I have also been asking sort of that question because um, I I came out uh, to myself August 2018, so it hasn't really been that long. And um, since that time, I've spent a lot of time discovering myself and learning who I am when I'm when I'm no longer forced to wear the mask of this masculine persona that I had put together sort of over over a lifetime um, or half a lifetime or whatever you want to call it, like 40, um, 40, 40 years or whatever. Um, but I think in the end I'm a s storyteller. I think it's important for us to tell our stories because that's how we connect. That's how we connect with the future. That's how we connect with our youth. That's how we connect with people who don't know us, who have no, you know, sort of prior exposure to, to us. So let's talk about prior to 2018. The journey to coming out to yourself and discovering who C.C. Chow was. As a child, did you have moments when you thought, my outsides don't match my insides, my insides don't match my outside? Or was it later on in life when, in 2018, you thought to yourself, 
I, I don't feel like who I'm... The person who I look at in the mirror is not the person who I actually am. So for me, that's... It's always been a part of my story, let's say. Um, although, you know, when when I was... I don't know, how old was I? Probably eight or nine um, in elementary school and refusing to wear the... And, like, I grew up, you know, sort of late 70s, 80s. Um, and so at that time, you know, boys' pants came in, like, like corduroys and jeans, and the corduroys were, like, dark brown and, like, dark green. And um, there came a time where I refused to wear those pants and um I wanted to wear the the colorful pants that the girls got to wear and like at that age I didn't understand what that was I just knew that like oh these blue jeans and 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 um corduroys these I'm I'm don't like these you know I I want to I want to be in the pants that the girls are in and um my mother, bless her soul, um, sort of made it happen. So I got like yellows and strangely white pants um, and like some gray pants, I think, um, in, in cotton. Um, and that's sort of my earliest memory of, 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 I don't know if you want, like gender nonconformity. I kind of try to avoid using that term because it's like, oh, what are we, what are we conforming to? Like, what's that standard? But... Um, I don't have a good alternative for that word. Um, and sort of through like junior high and high school, you know, I went through um, times where it's like I got really into cycling and and I started shaving my legs and then and for specifically for a, a race that I was in. And then, I, you know, because it's like the excuses. Oh, well, it's going to make me fast. Aerodynamics. <laughs> and I just kept my legs shaved from then on. And I always had this excuse of, oh, I'm a cyclist. Um, and then, um, you know, I, I'd always flirted, you know, sort of, I guess, in terms of like fashion and presentation, I always flirted with the the line of like feminine and masculine, and it was always like, how feminine can I go and not get in trouble? And I I still you know sort of um, junior high high school like I didn't really understand like what that was, and um, and then in university. I had grown my hair out, um, sort of shoulder length, and I, oh, I loved my hair long. Um, and I used to get, um, like, oh, you know, in quotes, mistaken for a girl. Um, unbeknownst to those strangers, they were right. Um, but that, you know, that didn't bother me. You know, when when they're like, oh, excuse me, ma'am, and be like, oh, uh, sir, and the ma'am didn't bother me and so for you know for for a typical dude and be like what why would you even say that i'm a dude 
just like back off, right? Um, but I was just kind of like, okay, I'll take that. Um, and so it, it just wasn't super conscious and there was just so little representation at the time um, to be like, oh, like the, like I'm transgender and I can live life a different way. You know, I just kind of did a lot of growing up being like, I'm a freak and I'm not like everybody else. And being a boy is so hard. I'm working, I have to work so hard at being a boy. Um, so what was the, and I hate to use this word, uh, I hate to use the statement, but it seems to be a statement that, that applies to a lot of things in life. What was the come to Jesus moment? What was the moment when you thought you, you realized in your heart, in your body, that I, I do like being called ma'am. Those strangers weren't wrong, like you said. They weren't wrong. I am a ma'am. What was that moment for you? You talked about 2018 when you had your official coming out, but mm-hmm. what was that moment? Um, so it definitely wasn't when I came to Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize for that. That, <laughs> that really, like, you know, kind of pushed things back, I think, um, quite a lot. I think a lot of people can say that. Yeah. Um, but it was, you know, like... It was in the shower, you know, my, I was taking my morning shower and it's the same morning shower I take every morning, you know, my, you know, spouse at the time was still in bed. Like I, I was always the first one to get up and, you know, I, I had shampooed my hair and got, you know, got the conditioner up there and then soaping up. And in that moment, like I like looked down and was just so struck struck by um the wrongness of having a penis attached to my body and and I proceeded to have a panic attack and I rinsed off as quick as possible so that I could get out of the shower and cover up um and I was never the type of person to panic, you know, in an emergency, I was always the coolest head in the bunch and checking to make sure everybody's safe and we're not in danger. And then it was like, okay, now we can freak out. Um, so I was never the first one to freak out. And for me to just freak out, um, that was kind of a big deal. And it really made me look at it. And, um, I didn't, I didn't tell anybody right off the bat. Um, so just to, just to back up here for a second, I, I just want to make sure I've clarified, I, I, mm-hmm. I heard you correctly, but you're, you were with somebody at the time when this happened. Yeah. I had been married for... You were married. Just... Yeah. Married for hmm, 17 years. Wow. Two kids. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. This is, this, this, I, I'm so happy that we we've connected because this has taken a complete new moment for me where I can learn a little bit more and I'm so happy that you reached reached out and you're able to do this because 
this is a lot and there are people out there like yourself who have gone who are going through this right now as we speak who are looking in the shower and going whoa so after that moment after that moment in the shower a lot of feelings must have come up for you and a lot of mixed emotions must have come up because I, I don't want to put myself in your shoes because I don't want to say things that are inappropriate. So I please apologize. And if I do say something inappropriate, please tell me completely, Chris, you're out to left field right now. Was there a moment after that shower experience when you said, I need to get this out of my head. I need to bury it. I need to just move on and not think that way. Or was there a moment when, no, this is, this is it. I, I've, I I now realize what I need to do and where I need to go now. And that was kind of my, this is it. You know, I'd, I'd never experienced my gender dysphoria so intensely before, but it's not, you know, what, like I knew, like when that happened, I was like, oh, okay, this is gender dysphoria. And like, I knew what that meant, you know, but I wasn't on, on that morning. I wasn't, you know, well, I wasn't ready for it, but like, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't like, okay, this is gender dysphoria. And that, that means I'm trans. Um, at that, it took me sort of a couple days. Um, and I was, you know, kind of internally processing through it. Um, and on the following Sunday, I don't know, it was like four days later, I woke up, you know, at midnight in bed and uh, with flashbacks of some of the stuff that I shared earlier of like being in elementary school and university and um, and being like, those never made sense to me. But if I look at them with the lens of you're trans, then all of the things make sense. Then I'm not, I'm not a freak. I'm not a pervert. I'm just a woman. And, um, and then I quietly had a, a panic attack on my side of the bed. <laughs> um, because I didn't have answers for my then wife. Um, you know, normally I would just, like I could just wake her up and be like, I'm, I'm freaking out. I'm just like, I'm having a hard time with this. Um, but I couldn't do that when I didn't really have answers, um, for her cause she was going to have questions. Um, but there've been so many, you know, sort of previous moments where it's just like, ah, oh, like, I think this is a thing, but it's like, no, like I, ha I have a wife. I have to, you know, like I, 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 I love my wife and I love my kids. Like I can't, I can't do this to them. Like, well, what's going to happen? You know, if, if I'm like, oh yeah, I'm trans and, and like suddenly everything changes. Um, but this, this time it was kind of like, I think if I don't do this, I I might die. What do you mean by that, if you don't mind me asking? Like, I just... Did you have 
touchy for those who are listening. I, I, I do just please bear with me. But mm-hmm. did you have suicidal thoughts? Um, I. It's something that I struggled with since junior high. Yeah, and thinking that they were normal, I didn't. I didn't learn until quite a bit later. It's like, whoa, not everybody goes, you know, to school and it's like, you know, their school self, and then goes home and goes to the dark place. Like, I thought that was kind of normal, but um, th- like that's another reason why representation of all all types is really really important. And that's why I hope that this this for those who have been listening all week this this week helps. Not only people like myself who are trying to learn and trying to educate themselves because representation does matter and hearing stories like this does matter, but hopefully it does help somebody who is listening right now who is struggling as well, who is going to those dark places because they don't have somewhere to turn and they are trying to figure out what it all means. So I hope the stories this week help and you know that over the last few days and even tomorrow and Friday people have done it and there are people out there like Cece who can help and I'm assuming you're open to conversations with anyone who is struggling right now Mm -hmm. I want to ask about the first person because the first person is always the hardest. The first, actually, you, telling yourself is always the hardest. Yeah. Telling somebody else is a milestone. To open up to somebody and say, listen, the person you know is going through something. The person you know is not the person you know because inside doesn't match the outside. Who was that person for you? Um, it was actually, um, one of my friends and there was, at that time I was looking at opening like a co-working space, uh, with one of my friends and we had, it was probably like a Tuesday or Wednesday and we had gone to like, take a look at this facility and just check it out, you know, just like to see how much construction we would need to do and stuff like that and at the end of the you know the site visit um I don't know I was just like okay like if we're gonna go into business I'm like you need to know and she was like wow what's going on and um so I kind of you know went through the 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 sort of the story that I shared with you know being in the shower and stuff and um and it didn't it was like I felt like I I had a responsibility as uh like a business person um because it was just like okay like this is a, this is a big deal and um and it was like if they're not okay with me being like this you know being who I am then well we can't we can't do business, right? Um, but, you know, that turned out to be an unfounded fear. Um, she was very supportive and, and, and like, very understanding. And um, I actually spent that 
first week after I came out to myself, coming out to all, like my closest girlfriends, um, because I was desperate to find out who was going to be there and who wasn't going to be there. So it wasn't that quick of a turnaround from, or is the moment you came out to yourself, how long between the epiphany in the shower to the moment you came out, or were they the same uh, day? Not the same day. So I came out to myself in the shower, I think it was a Wednesday, and then there was the... The Sunday when you woke up. The Sunday. And then, like, the week after that was just, like, trying to connect with my girlfriends and being like, we we need to talk. Because... Did you you find this... I'm so so engaged with this conversation, (laughs) this... I apologize if I interrupt, but I just, I, there's so many questions going through my head right now because mm-hmm. that's a lot to do in a week period. Like you, how are you standing here right now? Because I, I like, I buy sh- like jeans and it takes me a week and a half to realize if I've done the right thing by buying jeans and you are making a massive life altering decision, not decision, but you're making life altering moments in such a short period of time. How are you, like, how are you the person you are today? Because you seem like you're so, like, strong-headed and you're just... How? (laughs) I mean, at that time, I was just... I so desperately needed to know that I wasn't going to be alone. You know, like, it's like... Oh, I I might lose my parents. I might lose my my spouse, and you know my my family and my relatives, and probably almost all of the church. Um, and like sort of all the friends associated with past church and and things like that. And I I needed to know. If there was going to be, you know, like a person, at least just one person, even if I lost everything else. Um, And it was kind of like, if I have that one person, like a person, then I, I think I can get through this. So let's go back to that moment. You're talking to your business, your potential business partner. Mm -hmm. You have that conversation with her. Or correct. Mm-hmm. Was it what you were expected to happen, or were was there was it a little bit more? Uh, just talk me through the moment when you when the words came out of your mouth and what her reaction was. I think you know for. Her, you know, she she listened to my story, you know, just kind of quietly, and we were like standing in a park that was like near the um, near where I had parked my car, and um, I I remember it was like sunny and like warm, and but she just listened and. Um, and it was just the, like the, the, 
care in her eyes. Like, I was pretty scared. You know, I was like, oh, am I going to lose a friend? Um, and it was such... Uh, it was such a relief to be able to share who I am with her and for her to be like, yeah, and we're friends. Still to this day, you're still friends. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Over that week period when you were telling your story to people and coming out to, as you said, find out who your friends were. Mm-hmm. I mean this in all do with respect. Did you lose any? Not in that first week. Like not not in that group. Okay. Um I've since lost a lot of friends, but um those you know I think it was how many? It was like I came out to a person like every day for a week, you know, maybe five or six to five, five days. Um, but everybody was like really, was really supportive and, you know, one of my favorite responses was, of course, like, and um, I did have a response of just one. And this is one of my friends that moved out to Vancouver Island. And she was like, I've kind of been waiting for you. Like, you know, for her, it was like, well, what took you so long? Wow. Yeah. Wow. I can imagine that was probably a little bit of a whoa moment when people around you are saying we, we, we've known but we've been waiting for you to tell us that I, I can't imagine that being easy but also it must be enlightening at, at the same time that people that you tell are willing to be open with you as well to say mm-hmm. we've known and we just wanted you to take your time to tell us wow yeah I always used to thought that I'd hidden everything so well <laughs> Never the case. No. When I came out to my father, he said the exact same thing. He said, um, really? <laughs> really? Like, <laughs> really? So, I can imagine. Telling friends and telling loved ones are two separate entities. Mm-hmm. I will leave your partner until later on and your kids until later on. Let's talk about your immediate family, your mother and father. Actually, let's let's do it in chronological order. Who did you tell first? I told my younger brother. So I have one younger brother. So you, you told your younger brother first. Yeah. So supportive? Was he shocked? He was pretty surprised. Um, he was also very supportive. Um, n- sort of not educated on trans issues, which it's not surprising, but um, he was very supportive. Uh, Growing up, because of the four-year difference, you know, I was always the... I was always the, you know, sort of the defender and, um, you know, the one sort of standing up for him, 
and he very quickly reversed those roles on me and he became the the defender and um the he, he was very much like you know if you need me to talk to mom and dad or whatever for whatever reason you know I can do that for you and um that that was kind of a big uh that was kind of a big deal yeah having family like that is can sometimes be a blessing and a curse because they will always say have you told mom and dad yet have you told mom and dad yet because I remember and yet again it's your story and not mine but uh when I told my brother, it was, I, I can't keep this secret. You need to tell them now. <laughs> so, so I don't spill the beans. So um, the, after you told your brother, the process must have gotten a little bit easier because now one of your loved ones knows. Or was the big one still your mom, your dad, and your partner at the time? So, I mean, I I came up to my, my ex-partner of, first before any of my immediate sort of family because so before your brother before my brother yeah oh, okay so um because okay. i i felt like i owed it to her to hear from me um so first before what, anybody else what yeah. was that moment like because the person you're married to is the person you should be able to trust and and to tell someone a big secret like this, because I don't, let's, I don't, I'm not sure if I should call it a secret or. I mean, it was, okay. right? Yeah. Uh, I just, I hate putting words in other people's yeah. mouths. So because I know some people will describe it differently, but having that and telling them is a massive moment in any relationship. I want you to describe to me that moment when you told your wife that the person you married is a woman I think it took me it took me like six weeks to work up the courage to to do it in that six weeks I lost like 10 pounds because I wasn't able to eat um I was just so anxious that um Anytime I tried to eat, I would just want to throw up. And um, so I'd lost a lot of weight. Um, I sometimes wonder if when I sat on the bed that night and was like, we need to we need to talk. Like, I wonder if she thought that I was sick for having lost so much weight. Because I was like, I'm 5'9", and I was like 126 pounds at the time. So like, really skinny, and my face was all... St- like skeletony, like kind of sunken in, um, like, um, but you know, she read the sort of the seriousness of the atmosphere right away, and um, and I told the the shower story and the elementary school story and the junior high and high school and university stories, and um, and. I watched her heartbreak as I told the stories. Like, there's, it only takes so far for, for, you know, a person to be like, oh, I know what this is, but I don't want to know what this is. Um, and it's, 
coming out isn't one of the great biggest regrets of my life, but breaking her heart is the one of the biggest regrets of my life. Um, but when I got through my story, she looked at me and she said, you know, I, I was prepared. I was prepared for get out of the house. How could you do this to me? Did you even think about the kids? Um, and I had texted some of my girlfriends beforehand and I was like, this, I think this is the night and I might be, mm -hmm. I might be at your door later tonight. Um, but what, after I finished my story, what she said, the first thing out of her mouth was, how are you going to get through this? This is going to be so hard for you. And I, I was not prepared for that. You know, I was not prepared to have this woman in front of me whose heart I just broke be like, hey, how, how are you going to get through this? And it wasn't, she kept it, you know, sort of about me and not about her. And she, I don't know, intuitively understood what a huge deal that was to me and made it, made that the focus and didn't make her the the focus where it, in, in that situation it would be easy um, and understandable, you know, for her to make it about her. We pride ourselves on going beyond that 15 second soundbite by becoming a backer of the show. With a quick visit to patreon.com and searching cross-border interviews, you can help continue this show. For as little as $3 a month, your support can ensure we grow and bring new and exciting things to our growing listenership. Click the link in the show notes and back the show today. say the biggest regret was breaking her heart mm. in that moment and yet again I, I don't know what she was feeling at that moment I would never try to in that moment when the words were coming out of her mouth could you sense the atmosphere change in the room where she knew something was up because, as you said, the, there was severity in the room and the anxiety and the pressure. But was there, when you when the words came out and you told her the stories, the moment in the shower, the high school story, the junior high school story, was there a moment when you could tell that the woman I've married is now looking at me different? I don't know. I think in that moment, I just I, I don't think I was, you know, there enough to to like catch that sort of no, nuance. I, no, yeah. understandable. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
You've alluded to your kids and mm-hmm. two? Two. Two boys, girls? Two boys as far as we know. Two boys as far as you know. Yeah. I apologize. Yes, two boys, two girls are in between. But two boys as, as you know. Um, what was the conversation between you and your wife at the time to tell them? And how old were they at the, this moment? So they were eight and 12 at the time. And, um, we didn't, we didn't have a conversation about it that night. Um, we kind of just talked about, yeah, it was just sort of the stuff, um, between the two of us. And I probably talked about my parents a little bit. Um, and you know, I was like, I haven't told any of my family yet. I, I wanted you to know first. And, um, but she really left it up to me to to talk with the kids. Um, I don't know. Perhaps she just wasn't in a place to be able to to do it at the time. You know, sort of when it happened. Um, but I did come out to all of the so my brother and then my mom and my dad, and then I came out to the kids because I was like. Well, if the kids ask questions, like if they ask grandma and grandpa, like what's going on, um, they're not going to have answers. Grandma and grandma should know how to answer this question or not be taken back. At at least not be taken by surprise. Yeah. Um, For the sake of the kids, you know. Yeah. And I understand. I completely understand that. That uh, uh, this is your story to tell. And it was. You did it in your way, right? Because other people do it in their own way, and this is your the way that you chose to do it. So after you tell your wife, you tell your brother first. Yeah. And then you go to your then go to mom and dad. Well, then I went to mom. Then you went to mom first because dad just just felt really intimidating because I was like, um, so you know I was raised to be the like eldest male heir to the name you know of the family and like the extended family not just like our nuclear family it was like i was the sort of eldest boy golden child um like of all the cousins and like all the rest um and my dad is the youngest of all his brothers. And so normally that would make him, you know, sort of the lowest rung on the ladder. But um, all of his older brothers had all girl children. And so when I was born, it was like suddenly, you know, my dad gets a boost to the top of the ladder. Um, Because there's a male heir to carry on the name and, you know, like all of that. Um, sort of all of that stuff, sort of Chinese culture. And um, and so kind of having to tear that down, I just, I, I, yeah, it was just so intimidating. So I, I talked to my mom first, and my mom went to, at the time, Alberta College of Art, and I was like, she, she, she went to art school. She must have been exposed to so many queers. Like, this just felt maybe a little bit safer. 
And so we went out for we went for, we, don't, we went out for coffee and and I told my story and um, it I didn't get disowned outright, which was you know sort of okay. Um, but I also you know at that time I really wanted you know that. It's like the one time you want a helicopter mom, like, but that that's never really been my mom, but it's like, you know, I kind of had a need for, you know, that type of, like, reassurance and safety and, um, and, I'm, you know, sort of, I guess it is what it is, but like, I, that, that wasn't what I got. Um, it was a little bit of a, you know, it's like, okay, uh, I, I need to process this. And, um, you know, the... Did you ask her not to tell your father? Yes. Do you think she did? Uh, no. <laughs> because we did have another communication. She's like, uh, when are you going to tell your dad? <laughs> <laughs> She's just like, it's like the, the secret thing where it's like... <laughs> I'm I, gonna I, tell him if you don't because it's gonna slip out. Um, but it must yeah. mean was it upsetting that your mother didn't play that role that you wanted her to play when you went into that conversation? Or looking back on it, do you look back and go, I understand where she was coming from now? I it was upsetting. Um, I understand that you know she is sort of the product of her upbringing and of her parents and of the culture that she grew up in. And like Chinese culture generally is not like touchy feely. It's like, you know, all the feelings and all the rest. And we just, just like, just sweep that under the rug and like, it'll just disappear if we don't look at it, you know? Um, and, and so, like, I, I understand it. Um, I do kind of wish it could have been um, different, but Did you reach out to it. your brother afterwards and say, Mom knows now? Yeah. And the process of telling your father, because he's the last one in the family, the nuclear family, that you have to tell. Mm -hmm. Your mom is asking when you're going to tell your father. Um you talked about the um, air of pride of having the first son and hmm. having the uh, the name carried on. It must have been nerve-wracking to sort of not tell him, but change his sort of look and outlook on his family. And now you're going and saying, Dad, we need to talk. Mm-hmm. So take me through that moment because I would be a nervous Nelly and just not wanting to say a word and just saying, we need to talk, and then just zipping my lips and saying, sure, okay, yeah. <laughs> so how was it for you? Um, so when I came with my parents, I was just like, okay, we're going to do it in a public place so that they can't like just have a nuclear meltdown. Like you've been broken up a few times in a ways, because that's how I usually got broken up with. Um, and you know, 
I like I'd always been, you know, like of the, you know, my my brother and I, you know, my dad and I spent lots of time with me growing up. You know, we went we went fishing and there was like camping and I don't know, like badminton and just um and and I was like I think I'm gonna break all of those things even though those are really like those are still real experiences whether my gender identity is a boy or a girl like it doesn't it doesn't invalidate the experiences that we had right like you know if 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 I had been assigned female at birth like we still could have gone fishing and played badminton and I don't know chopped wood and like all those other things um but I was like I, I'm pretty sure you know this is gonna change the way that feels for him and um but I was just I was just like I have to do this like I can't it's it's kind of like now that I really know um I can't I can't lie and um so I did it I, I also printed out some like resources because I was just like ah, I don't know if he's gonna go like do the research on his own so I printed out some stuff and like I gave that to him and and um he he's when he listened to the story he seemed um you know he he was a, he he went to like are you sure and you know when I described the experiences that I had and he was like are you sure that's not he didn't have the word for it but like that it's not just confirmation bias um and you know like I, I kind of I kind of get that but um and then I had expressed well that you know I was concerned about the rest of the extended family you know I'm like I just, like this is gonna affect your relationship with you know your your brothers and sisters and you know all the rest and he kind of at that moment he went into like papa bear mode and he was like don't you worry about the extended family you know i'll i'll deal with them um and i i i believe that he meant it um but i don't think he really understood how much work that he needed to do internally himself to be able to do that um like on my behalf so yeah. this is still 2018 right yeah what's your relationship like with your parents and your family now um you know it's been it was like quite rocky there was a time when There was not a lot of communication and of course you know 2019 we headed into pandemic land and that made it even harder um but my i feel like my mom is really coming around um it feels like it coincided with getting to a point in my transition where 
you know, for lack of a better word, I pass, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, when I go to stores out on the street or whatever, people just read me as, as a woman, um, the way that I want them to. Um, and that felt like a turning point in, in our relationship. And I don't know, we haven't really had a conversation around it, but you're still on talking terms. With we him are. Now. Yeah. Um, it's hard to talk to my dad. I think he, he, yeah, he struggles with having a conversation. Yeah. Jumping back to the final coming out, the big coming out, the, the kids. Mm-hmm. So you tell grandma and grandpa now, now you are going to sit down with your eight and 12 year old and have the conversation yeah. with them. Kids can say the darndest things. <laughs> Kids can oh, be yeah. kids can be interesting on a good day. So mm-hmm. to have a serious conversation, I can just imagine when my parents had that serious conversations with me and my brother, it was probably a fun time because let's be honest, if it, there's no Game Boy in front of me, I'm probably tuned out in the first five minutes mm-hmm. as a kid, as especially as an eight, eight, 12 year old. What was the process like coming out to your kids? So I, I did it separately. Okay. I started with the oldest one first, yep. I'm assuming. Okay. Because, you know, once again, like, if the youngest one has questions, gonna ask his older brother, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so we went to Starbucks. We got hot chocolates, sat on the couch, and we had the, you know, basically telling the same story. Um, At this point in time, you must have been sick of that story. You must have been, okay, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, I could just, yeah, it was like, I like, you know, it was like, relatively well scripted um but like i didn't i didn't really water it down like kids are really smart yeah they're they they understand a lot and it's just you know as long as we use vocabulary that they have they're gonna get it and um and so i tell the story and at the end of it you know i asked my 12 year old and i was like do you have any questions or like what are you feeling and he was just like he looks at me and he's like there's just, there's just one thing I, I don't really understand and I was like oh okay what is it and he was like but you like cars <clears throat> and I was like oh well girls can like cars there's lots of girls that like cars and I was like there's girl race car drivers and there's like girl drift car drivers and, and they're really fast. And he was like, oh yeah, okay. That was it. Okay. Wow. How proud of you were you at that moment as a parent? And that was, that was so amazing. You know, it was just like, and kids are primed for, for learning, right? Like they don't ha- like, they don't have all of those stories around like trans people or queer people or whatever they they just they're just like oh this is new okay mm-hmm. like that's what they do at school every day they yeah. they go to school and they learn um yeah that's it's pretty amazing youngest child is next 
Yeah, so we went to the same Starbucks, <laughs> sat on the same couches, had the nearly hot chocolates, and I tell my story. And and the eight-year-old afterwards, you know, I'm like, do you have any questions? What are you feeling? And he stands up and he stares me straight in the eyes and he was like, you know, sometimes I feel uncomfortable about things too and it's like, it's okay. It's okay to feel that way. And then he gave me a big hug. And, you know, I'm like crying because my child of eight saw that his parent needed comfort and he was like, yeah, my parent needs comfort. I'm going to do that. You raised two remarkable kids. You're raising, I should say, yeah. two remarkable yeah. kids. Wow. <laughs> like, everybody always asks, like, well, what about the kids? And yeah. it's just like, it's... No. It's, you know, it's like never the kids... The kids are always, like, I've, I haven't talked to anybody who's, like, you know, where without outside influence that their kids are just, like, that's so wrong. You know, like. Jeez. So the process of coming out has been, there's been ups and downs. Mm -hmm. But that's not where the story ends, though. The story ends now is the process of transitioning. Mm -hmm. There's first steps that you can take. Um, I'm assuming you started trying to connect with resources yourself to better understand, try to uh, learn a little bit more. In a conservative province like Alberta, like the... People say Calgary is progressive, but okay, we did elect our first female in October of 2021. Good. But there's still work to do. We still need to make it feel, we need to make people feel safe in the city, and that's the biggest thing. The process starts in 2019, I'm, I would assume. Mm -hmm. Right at, the, like, one year in, pandemic hit, so it sort of changes the name of the game, but the process of transitioning for yourself. Was it rough? Was it hard? Especially in a conservative province? Um, or did you have the resources you needed? So, yes and no. Um, so let's start with the, uh, the no part, because what was the <laughs> easy parts of the transitioning? The, you know, I, the, there's so much mixed information out there. And of course you're on Google and trying to find all the things and it's hard to tell what's current and what's not current. And, um, like, you know, people will talk about certain doctors or whatever, and it's just like, I don't know. Like, I don't, like, what's reputable and what's not. And, um, but I knew that after, it was basically after I came out to my kids, I was just going to start. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get on hormones ever. Um, I don't know if, 
I'll ever be able to have um, like gender affirming bottom surgery. I don't know, but I need to transition. And um, so I just, I started like dressing differently. Like I just, like got rid of all my like boy pants and, you know, bought three pairs of women's pants and um, not that you could tell at first. <laughs> I mean, my pants got really skinny, <laughs> um, pre even, you know, sort of pre coming out, but, um, the, and then I, the sort of the, you know, the clothes and the presentation, like that was easy for me. I always loved fashion. I was always the, the one who was just, just like, you know, in a group of guys, I was just a bit too fashionable. <laughs> yeah. But, and this is where, so uh, so for those who have been listening this week, I'm learning here. So I'm going to be asking some inappropriate questions, but I, 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 I don't know if they're inappropriate, right. right? Because this is the part of the show where I'm trying to learn. That moment, while you can be into fashion... Wearing women's clothes outside for the first time, was that daunting? Because I I can imagine that transitioning through this is challenging nonetheless, but in a conservative province, going out in attire that you have traditionally not that is gender affirming to the gender that you are could be challenging. You talk about, yes, your pants just got a little bit skinnier, but doing that the first time must've been hard, wasn't it? Or was it easy? And this, this, yet again, these, if you're going to send negative comments, I do apologize because I'm just, I'm trying to <laughs> learn because I don't know the stories and I want to learn the stories of, It's a big moment that you are now out with the old and in with the new. Yeah. So how was it for you? I'll tell you a big secret. Okay, go ahead. I'd been wearing women's pants for years. You heard it here first, people. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking news. Um, my, so, so it wasn't the, that the, you would change? No, like for, for pants, it wasn't... Um, but when I started, you know, when I traded my my button-ups for blouses, um, it felt affirming. And it was like, it, it just, yeah, it always felt good until people started staring. Um, and, you know, early in transition... I wasn't on hormones yet, and my I could walk by people or like you know pass them, and they would just, they would stare, and it would just be so off-putting. And I got so frustrated with it that I decided that I was going to start staring them back in the eyes, because I'm just like, at least they'll be they'll know that they're caught in the act and they'll look away. <clears throat> 
But they didn't. They just kept staring. They like didn't even know that I was staring them back in the eyes. And, you know, I was basically watching their brains break and them trying to piece things back together and be like, where does this person fit in the, you know, in the worldview that I have constructed? Um, and that, that was quite hard to get through um to be a spectacle everywhere that I walked um but it was like I can't I can't do otherwise you know and and sort of um, you can't retreat back no of all the progress you've made yeah. I can't I can imagine that one step in front, and if you go two steps back, you might not get that step forward again. So I give you credit because I've heard story after story after story of similar situations like that where people are gawking. During the first few months of, tran of your transition process, was there any hate? Was there any negative hate? Like verbal? I, I, I hate, I would hate to say physical, but we live in a weird society right now. But was there any physical or verbal abuse, hate thrown at your way? Yeah. Um, the, you know, washrooms is always this sticking point in, I don't know, just sort of conservative viewpoints against sort of trans rights um, and you know like early in transition I was just like okay like I don't I'm like I don't look feminine enough to not make a stir in the women's washroom even though the men's washroom feels really really unsafe for me um, but I would use the men's washroom and, you know, I would be in there, I would use a stall because, like, I don't want to be next to some, you know, guy at the urinal and, like, I'm, I'm not going to stand to pee. Um, and, you know, you know, I would have um, times where I would just be, like, washing my hands and, like, there would just be these dudes in the in the washroom and they would be just glaring at me with like violence in their eyes like just the threat of violence it's like the the if you make one wrong move you're dead meat and um and i always just tried to get out as as quick as i could and like of course i tried to use like single stall gender neutral washrooms wherever I could, but this doesn't always exist. Um, and um, that, that was really, that was really, really scary. Um, and Has it gotten easier? Yeah, I mean, I just go in the women's washroom <laughs> where I'm supposed to go. Um, and 
and you know, it's just, I don't know. I, I, I have the privilege of being pretty. Um, you know, I, I walk down the street and people looking at me, they're looking at me because, because I'm tall and I'm thin and, and, um, you know, I have my makeup on and, and, um, and, you know, I don't know, like my, my clothes are, you know, a bit stylish. Um, and that's a huge privilege to be able to do that. Um, but, you know, I did have, um, like an incident, um, fourth street by shelf life books. I was crossing the street and this other guy, this, this guy was coming the opposite way. And, um, and as we were passing, he's like this big, the big white guy and um as we were walking by each other you know he just shouts at me at the top of his lungs and he's just like that's a dude dressed like a girl and and it was just like the it was so aggressive so loud so in my face and like so directed um uh I just like I freaked out and I was just like just just keep walking just keep walking but I was just I was bawling by the time I got to the other side of the street and I stood at like outside job like books and I I cried and there were you know, there were other pedestrians and stuff and like, I don't expect people to like stand up to like a big burly person who's, you know, sh shouting at the top of his lungs. Um, but also nobody checked on me. You know, nobody was like, hey, are you okay? Like, do you need to get somewhere? Do you need to call somebody? Um, and I was just like on the way back to my store because I had to pick up something. And um, that was that was terrifying to feel like no one was I was there. alone. It was just like, I don't know, like the, to me, as a, as a trans woman, the line between verbal assault and physical assault is razor thin like the 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 statistics are not great and the it's like you know i'm i'm very much an empath it's like the the energy like i can feel the energy and it's just like it's just I don't know. It's not, it's almost not different. Um, I understand. And I'm, I'm terrified of men. Like if, if I, if I see you on the street and you're a man, like you're 
for me, I live life walking on the streets and you are guilty of being that same guy who verbally assaulted me on the street or who might sexually assault me and then discover that I'm trans and then kill me. You are guilty until proven innocent because I can't afford to live any other way. We pride ourselves on going beyond that 15 second soundbite. Be sure to hit that subscribe button today to be kept in the loop of all the great episodes that are coming up on the show. Also, click on the links in the show notes and follow our social media pages as well. have me thinking now and I, i've been thinking through the entire thing don't don't for those who are saying that i'm not but you have me you have me second guessing the last 35 years of my life was i that person who walks by somebody who was struggling and i hope i wasn't I really hope I wasn't. I'm not trying to make apples out of oranges here because there are there are people out there struggling right now. And the fact that you went through that and no one even stopped to say, are you okay? Tells us more about us as a society than that person who yelled at you. Mm-hmm. Um, we live in a society where trans Albertans, transgendered Albertans are more likely to be attacked verbally, assaulted physically. And we turn a blind eye at it. We, and I, I say the royal we because I'm just using your story as an example. People walk by, people who get attacked every day and don't think to stop and check in. But there has to be good in this society. There has to be moments where in the last three and a half years, since August 2018, when you came out, when you started this transition, where you thought, for all the crap, for all the bad out there, there's a silver lining. Because I hope someone who's listening to this right now, who is feeling at wit's end, that something they might they they can't go through what you've been so strong to go through. What's the silver lining? What is the moment? Is it the sons that you talked to and you came out to and they said, hey, well, girls don't like cars. <laughs> or what? what's the silver lining in this? Because there can't be all bad. And I hope there's not all bad when I ask this question. It, I mean, it definitely isn't all bad. Like... In coming out and in transition, I I have 
found me, you know, like just spending so much <clears throat> of my life, um, like, and, and like, so when I came out, I was like, I was 42, right? So later in life and, um, you know, I'd spent so much of my life just pretending, trying to convince people that I was something or someone that I wasn't, um, you know, sort of to just to survive and to come to a place where, um, where I can be truthful about who I am and like sort of I I finally started like dating um like three months ago when I you know I was at a place where I was like who who is going to who's going to want to date somebody you know quote unquote like me as if as if like me is a bad thing um and you know that's that's sort of sort of this internalized like you're less than because everybody tells you you're less than but you know i i met this amazing woman and she she loves me for who i am and she came into this like with her eyes open and um and in that relationship, for the first time in my life, I have had, uh, like, sort of this truly authentic relationship. I've never had a relationship before like this because I've never been able to show up like this. I've never been able to be me. I always had to hold back who I was in a relationship um, with my parents, with my brother, with with um like lovers and you know suddenly it's like oh i get to be me and i get to be loved as me and in a real very real sense it's like i have never been fully loved until now but i have it now that must be powerful that you finally feel accepted for who you are, but loved for who you are as well. There's a question I've been wanting to ask, and I hope it doesn't doesn't come across the way that I hope it I don't want it to come across but I'm going to ask it um, being in 2021 when we record this in October of 2020 November November of 2021 mm -hmm. when we record this we have made great strides strides as a society to be more accepting and more welcoming that moment when you were out as CC Chow and you were identified as CC Chow as a woman, 
by a stranger. Not, sorry, sir, sorry, dude, but how are you, ma'am? You talked about that time in at their opening statements when you were in university and people saying, sorry, ma'am, oh, oh, mister, I apologize. But that first time when you were identified as ma'am from a stranger, from someone you didn't know, was that reaffirming? Yes, that was really affirming. Um, the it it's kind of this. Do you remember when it was? I don't. Okay. Um, but it was probably just at the grocery store, or you know, just some little thing. Um, it's always just like some little, you know, kind of offhand um, situation. Um, and it's, it's kind of like this, the first time it happens, it's sort of like, oh, like this can be like the, the reality that I hope for is possible where Um, where before that, you know, getting misgendered all the time, um, and it's like, like, will this ever get better? Like, will it, will I ever be seen for who I actually am? Um, and, and, and yes, it's very affirming, but at the same time, there's this, there's this element of like, but it's just because of how I look. You know, like, it's just because he, the the clothes that I wear and, like, the the shape of my body and the, the makeup that I put on and the, the voice that I've trained, um, and, and those things have been really easy for me. And it's like, but those things shouldn't, those things shouldn't, those things shouldn't matter. We shouldn't assume gender. We, like for me, early in transition, it's just like, yes, I identify as a woman. But nobody's going to see me that way. Um, and so it's just... It, it, it feels weird to be like, oh, that's so affirming. But at the same time, it's like, oh, that's, that's kind of shitty that we... That we profile people's gender in that way. You are C.C. Chow. I want to know the name, the story behind the name. Because before, in our pre-interview, C.C. and I were chatting and I asked her about her name because I, 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 I want to do the best that I can do. And I did my research. I went on mm -hmm. your social media and I 
was confused at first because in some of the videos that are there, you used another name. And I, I, I did my due diligence and I asked prior to this interview. So the name CC, where does it come from? So and can you take me through the process of accepting who CC is? Because mm -hmm. you, you, you started to talk and I sort of interrupted you and I said, don't tell it until we have the <laughs> chance to talk about it. But using a different name, using your real name, which is now CC, mm -hmm. and that is the only one that I'll ever call you by until I leave this great earth. But using a different name from what you originally have, have known is a change and what was the process for you of changing who who they were to who she is as Cece? I mean I originally when I came out I was like I am going to keep my birth name it's um I don't advertise it but if you look for it you'll find it um and 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 so like it it starts with C, okay. That's part of the story. Um, and you know I was I I like my birth name because it's also my Chinese name. Um, and and so my mom did this thing where it's like our our names our our English names sound like our Chinese names, and so. It's just, it's just my name. And I had fully intended on just keeping my birth name and like continuing to use my birth name. Um, you know, like, like into transition and going forward. Um, but I was finding that as as my body feminized and as my like you know for like for voice um trans men if they're on testosterone the testosterone like thickens their vocal folds and they their voice is lower generally um and the amount that it lowers kind of depends um for trans women the opposite is not true hrt does not thin out the vocal folds and um like our voices just will we'll just stay the same like it doesn't change on hrt and for those who don't know sorry to interrupt but hrt stands for hormone replacement therapy okay perfect sorry i just wanted to make sure yeah. that i was not thinking of something else so hormone replacement therapy yeah. thank you continue i apologize um that's a good clarification um and so for trans women, like, unless we started with a voice that was, you know, like, um, less stereotypically masculine, um, to achieve a more feminine voice, we have to train our voices. And it's amazing what you can do with your voice. If you go far enough back in my social media, you can find some of my videos with my old voice and... It's a big difference, um, but like with the way that I I look and I present now, and um, the you know the way that I sound, I was encountering situations where my name was causing problems, 
um, it's, it's like, it's quite a, like some people are like, "Mm, it doesn't seem like a masculine name to me, but it's like, biblically, it's a masculine name. And, um, and so I would like order a pizza and I would be the only person in the shop and they would not call my name because they're like, oh, there's no person by this name here. There's just this woman standing there. <laughs> Sorry, friends. <laughs> I wave my hands around when I talk and I hit the microphone. Um, and so I would have situations where people wouldn't recognize me or they wouldn't believe that my birth name was my name. And it just to have to try to explain it every time that it's like, oh, well, that's that's my Chinese name. You know, that was my cover story or whatever. It's true, but um, the best cover stories are. And, and then there, and I was like, ah, I don't know, what am I going to do? And so I decided to start introducing myself as... CC, which those are were my initials because my last name is Chow starts with C and so it was like CC right and it's like just just my initials so it's still it's still my name um, and um, and then there were like times where I would get I was like being gendered correctly and then misgendered because somebody learned my name it was just so hard to handle and um, So, you know, I was going by this nickname of CC and like, I thought, I thought that was going to be okay. You know, officially, you know, my birth name is going to stay my birth name. It'll be on my ID, whatever. And then, um, I got a call from the police because they're like, we need to serve you a subpoena to be a witness for what this court case. Um, and like, but they were like, can we speak to so-and-so and I was like yeah that's me right and they're like uh okay and so they tell me the story and 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 then they couldn't deliver the subpoena that day and they called again same cop called again and then they called and they were just like we're just making a mess of the name they were like they were just like stumbling over it and then they were like I think I'm just pronouncing your name wrong like uh, how do you say it and so I explain it and that and they were like gonna come to my house and deliver the subpoena and that had me that had me freaked out I was just like uh like like what what does the cop now think you know like are they and like at this point, like my gender markers and everything are changed. Um, and sometimes people just can't. Yeah. They're just like, this is a masculine name. And yeah. And, and so I had like 30 minutes, like they were like, yeah, we'll be there in like 30 minutes. And I was already like ready for bed, you know, I was in my big sweater and, and, um, and I was just like, oh, and then I, I was like, so I, I went and I got changed and I put on my like 
little Lululemon shorts and my Lululemon hoodie that's like quite um, form-fitting and a push-up bra because I was like, I just, I need to present as femininely as possible. Like, I don't want to be misgendered by the police because they're in this position of power and I don't know who this police officer is. I don't know how they're going to treat me. And that, that was the incident where I was like, I don't think I can keep my birth name. And I was really upset about it for a while because that's not something that I wanted to do. I didn't want to change my birth name. And, but it just, it did not feel safe. And it was like, in the future, if I'm traveling, like, I don't want to be detained in some foreign airport because my name is masculine and they don't believe that I am who I am, even though my photo matches my passport and my other ID and, um, and I felt painted into a corner and it was like, I guess, I guess I have to do this to, to feel safe. And it was like, it was like this thing where it was like the the systems win this time. Um, and I don't know, I guess I, you know, since then, you know, I've kind of taken ownership of it, but the sort of the, the, the genesis of the name, the legal name change was not completely in your control. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't great. Yeah. You have gone through a lot in the last three years, since August of 2018, when you had that shower. While it's hard to play hindsight's 50-50, are you happier? Are you more, are you in a better place than you were on that faithful Wednesday or Tuesday, Thursday morning when you had that shower? Ultimately, yes. Um, You know, while, while I had many sort of beautiful moments in sort of pre- coming out me um, being able to find myself has been really it's been so freeing like to actually be able to be who I am Um, and I think And I think that's not just, you know, sort of in this LGBTQ, um, you you know, two-spirit context. Like, it's, it's so 
beautiful when you can be authentic and it's crushing when you have to hide who you are and you know there's been a lot of really hard things and I'm still going through lots of hard things now and like learning a lot especially in in sort of this new relationship that I'm in um, with my girlfriend but there's also so much happiness and like in a way that I've never been able to experience before. Take a moment right now. Talk to the talk to the comedian, the little child, the forty year old Albertan, the twenty five year old Albertan who who has just had that moment that shower moment, but in their own context. What would you say to them right now about the process that they're about to undertake if they're about to go through what you had gone through in 2018? I think, first of all, congratulations on coming to a place where you know who you are. That's a really big deal. It's not easy. And you made it. The, the journey that you're going to go on now is going to be hard as fuck. But at the same time, you don't have to be alone as conservative as Alberta is there is an amazing small community of trans people and queer people who will see you just the way you are and with whom you will you don't have to hide and it's okay if it's not safe for you to just come out and you know you know flying the rainbow flags all over the place that's okay. You should um, you should be careful about it and but at the same time know that you you aren't alone and 
there are great um, Alberta organizations where you can get support. Um, my, I'm a little biased, but um, you know, sort of one of my favorites is Skipping Stone Foundation in Calgary. Um, and I was so lost for resources and things like that um, until I got connected with them. And they work with people of, you know, all ages and they have their finger on the pulse of the politics, the the things that are going in the, on in the medical community. And um, they're kind of this hub in Alberta um, connecting people to resources. And so, you know, even if you may or may not have friends to go to, or you're just looking for that extra support from a group of people who will understand your experience, um, organizations like Skipping Stone are, are amazing. Giving Stone or Skipping Stone? Skipping Stone. Skipping Stone, okay. Cece, I want to thank you. Um, thank you for telling your story, for opening up, for sitting down and chatting. Um, I hope, I hope my listeners, my viewers have gotten something out of this. I know I have. I am now second-guessing my whole life of if I walked by someone uh, who might have been struggling. And moving forward, I know I'll never do that because they might be going through something that is more than what it looks like. Um... I, I, I should have asked you this before the interview started, but for those who have listened and uh, uh, watched the show before, Cece's social media information, her Instagram is going to be in our show notes. So please, if you need someone to speak to, um, Cece is a great resource. She has... Uh, done a lot in three years and she has an amazing amazing attitude compared to what I originally had planned when I started talking to transgendered Albertans this week I thought it was going to go one way but I am learning and I am so impressed by the resilience that women like you have, Cece. So thank you. Thank you so much for doing this and thank you so much for spending the last hour and 40 minutes chatting. It's been an honor and it's been a pleasure. So thank you. Thank you. It's, um, I just, yeah, I, I thank you for opening your platform for these types of conversations. Um, I really do think that representation is our way forward to connecting us all um, 
and it helps us to find commonality um, where we may not have known that we had that commonality and, and we can draw together in that. I appreciate that. Um, to my listeners and to my viewers, as I've stated, uh, CC's information will be in the show notes. I highly recommend you go ch check her out, follow her on Instagram. That's where I am uh, following her, but also tune in tomorrow. We have another great episode, another great interview. And I, I hope this platform this week has educated even just one person, because that's where education starts with just one person. For everyone here at the Cross Border Interview Podcast, have yourself a safe and wonderful rest of your Wednesday, and we will be back tomorrow at 8 o'clock in the morning for another great episode. For everyone here, talk to you later. Cross-Border Interviews with Chris Brown was produced and edited by Miranda Brown Associates Incorporated. For more information on the show and our company, visit crossborderinterviews.ca.